0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E.com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Got another dude! Hey! What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Dudes to the right, dudes to the left, stuck in the middle with you. Got another dude! Heisman Trophy. Bronco Nagurski Award ultimate dudes got another dude O-line you, bunch of dudes lot of dudes yeah, yeah! another dude in the house yeah. he touched my heart it he touched my soul he changed my life and all my goals and love is blind and that I knew when my heart was blinded by you have kissed your lips and held your head shared your dreams and shared your bed I know you well, I know your smell I've been addicted to you Goodbye my lover, goodbye my friend You have been the one, you have been the one for me Goodbye my lover, goodbye my friend You have been the one, you have been the one for me
1: Welcome to the Lot of Dudes Podcast, presented by 4th & Dude, brought to you by Boston College 24-7 and Armchair All-Americans, Season 3, Week 15, Special Edition Steve Adazio is Fired episode. As Harvey Dent once said, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Despite a huge road victory at Pitt to become bowl eligible for the sixth time in seven years... Daz had officially become that villain for far too many fans in Chestnut Hill, and Martin Jarman announced on Sunday that the Head Dudes Day on the Heights were officially over. On today's episode, we'll discuss Adazio's legacy, explore the likely replacements based on our insider sources, and figure out whether this podcast officially has an identity crisis.
0: Matt, I am I'm am so very sorry for your loss. There's a real sadness in your voice that I think everyone can uh, can hear. I think we all should agree that despite some good times over the past seven years, this was the right time to make a change and the future is brighter than ever. Uh, but before we get to everything, jam-packed episode, emergency episode is brought to you by our friends at MyBookie. The football season is just about over, but there are still a few weeks to get off the sidelines and get into the game with MyBookie. MyBookie is the premier place to bet on all the football action every weekend, always with the most up-to-date lines and most prop bets of any sports book on the planet. If you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and bet with the best at MyBookie, whether it's parlays, teasers, props, futures, live bets. They have everything you need to make money on the weekends. Best part is if you join Right now with MyBookie, they will double your first deposit. That's right. If you put in $1,000, they will give you 1000 to use on all of your best picks. Use promo code CHAIR to activate the offer. That's promo code CHAIR to double your cash. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. Matt, I'll just start with the obvious question on everyone's mind. Are you no longer a BC football fan?
1: Matt, there's a lot of rumors circulating about that. Uh, I will say, obviously, Sunday was a day I've been dreading really for the last three years. Seems like at least once a year the uh, the the Adazia, the fire Adazia rumors came rolling around, and I was on my island trying to defend them, and it worked for the first two years. But um, you know, I, I guess this year enough was enough for, for everyone. Um, I will say I've been an absolute wreck ever since the news broke on Sunday. I can't sleep, I can't eat. Um, I have been doing two days at the gym just because I have so much anger oh, that's good. and, that's and good. sadness to work out. So yeah, so that's a plus. But you know, as you know, you know my feelings on Daz have been well documented. I thought he was the perfect guy to lead this program. Um, I thought he was building something and was on the cusp of uh, you know potentially sustaining nine plus wins. But obviously, ninety nine percent of the fans and you know MJ and and the athletic department didn't see it that way. And that's all that matters. So uh, so now we got to find the next guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think you're absolutely out of your mind, as we've discussed in, in great detail, but we don't need to go back down that road. The bottom line is that he should be commended for, you know, taking us out of the spaz basement. If you look at the types of recruits that we're getting now, you know, co- their comparative offers, you know, we're getting guys over you know, a couple Big Ten schools here and there versus the final Spaziani years. We were getting guys over like Central Connecticut State and, and maybe Harvard. Um, but the bottom line is that, again, to your point, he plateaued very quickly and, and at no point was there any indication to anyone except really, I'll say for you, that, you know, something was going to have a breakthrough. He had all of the, you know, dominoes lined up over the last couple of years and couldn't make it happen. So uh, I think that this was definitely the right time to make a change. I'm feeling excellent. I think that there is... I'll I'll say there's just about no one I'll trust, you know, as much as I trust Martin Jarman to make the right hire. Um, I think he's going to really take this program in the right direction. Like he mentioned in his press conference today, that's kind of the goal. So I'm feeling excellent right now. I think the fan base is is feeling excellent. And look, the bottom line is that coaching searches are just fun. This is a fun time to be a fan. This is zero fun. I'm having a blast. We got rumors. We got insider information. We got, you know... Inside, you know, the guys popping up on Twitter with 100 followers, but they seem to you know, claim to have a hot tip. I love it. I can't get enough of it. So I'm excited for the next seven to 10 days.
1: And you are the captain of the grass is always greener crowd that thinks that everything's going to be great and we're going to hire someone. We're going to go undefeated tomorrow. No, and, uh, and that's what's going to happen.
0: So I think there's absolutely look, there's absolutely a, a risk. But again, Matt, having a risk is no reason to sit and just be happy with six wins in the regular season every year.
1: Yeah, I I would agree with that. But what I would say is, obviously, we had a baseline of of seven wins. And, uh, you know, I think that you and I would both agree that with a a healthy roster and, you know, a couple breaks here or there, this team, you know, could have achieved a lot more than that, uh, both last year and then Maybe not as much this year with that defense, but uh, you know I think a lot of things were going our way and, and things were set up. You know the future was looking
0: bright under Adazio, in my opinion, and we're blowing it all up. And, well, uh, we're not. We'll, first of all, we're not blowing up. Second of all, we've been in the future. First, right, let's not go back down this road. I, I'm not here to gloat or stomp on your grave. I think that clearly the jury is out. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, at some point I, I, it is a serious question. Like I, I think that there is a non-zero chance, and in, in fact I'd say it's a somewhat significant chance that you. Whether outwardly or secretly, root against this team next year because I I can I can't even imagine how elated you would be to see a new coach come in and go one and ten or one and eleven next year. No, I
1: don't. I think that's that's ridiculous. But w- what I'm saying is, and it's by the way, what everyone on on the national scale is saying is, oh tell you don't, what. don't give me that. Well, hold on. Every, whatever, I mean, that's what everyone's saying is. You know, BC had it had it pretty good. Right. He he never got above the seven win mark. He probably would have got eight last year. Probably would have gotten ten if Dylan stayed healthy. Whatever. Uh, not the point, but it's a lot easier to get to ten wins when you've built a minimum of seven wins. And you know this program is looking at you know probably three three wins for the next couple of years here. So oh, really, as That's long as everyone's as long as everyone's good with that, and okay. you know maybe it, Matt, I mean, it's it's a fact. I think we're we're going to win only three games over the next couple of years. I think that's how most rebuilds work. And, and
0: by the way, most it's not rebuilds, a rebuild, Matt. It's not a rebuild. We, well, we, I, think, again, I think by the time the dust settles, it, it might be. He um, left us with a good cupboard. I'll say that much. But it's not a rebuild whatsoever. We need someone, you know, again, to, to change a couple things around and actually, you know, have good game day management and take it to the next level. But you can't call this a rebuild. It's, it's, it's a retool. And it's, it's, you know, kind of you're you're continuing momentum and actually going to take someone to achieve that potential that, you know, you, you've felt was there for the last seven years. It will be a rebuild by the time all the dust settles. We're already seeing people... Uh, you know, the Aaron Gathers. Aaron we're, we're, Gethers and I don't even remember the other guys. Well, there. Evan Stewart, I,
1: a th- three-star recruit, uh, was a top 20 player in the state of New Jersey. He was going to be a star linebacker, uh, but now he's he's going to Rutgers So everyone in New Jersey is, you know, potentially going to flip. We're going to lose a ton of people. People come for the Adazio brand. If you're an offensive lineman, you come to play for Daz, and that's a fact. We're going to see a ton of people. Lo- we're we're going to lose a ton of people. And um, and and I mean, what do you expect? What do you? Th- I mean, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's how about we pump the brakes here. Let's start over um let's just
0: i don't know where do you want to start with this thing i know we don't really have an agenda this is an agenda free episode emergency yeah, it's episode. An emergency episode so we yeah we we don't have any agenda i don't really care i mean again I, I think that you know we can we can dive well you know what actually no i do want to hit on on your mention of the national perspective of of you know you're basically playing into that of everyone who you know only has a recent memory of bc and, and really their memory starts in the spaz days and they say wow you know bc was a team that under Spaziani, was only winning you know, th- they won two games in a year. They should be thrilled that they can win six, maybe seven games in a in a good year. That's the national perspective, but that's not true. You know better than anybody. If you go back to basically the uh, the two thousands and before that, uh, you know, consistently having the ability to win, you know, eight games, nine games, ten games. Whether it's only you know once or twice in a decade, that's fine. But at least there's the option there. This has just been stale, and you know that, and you know that that that's that's a terrible national perspective, and that's not a fair representation. But If you feel that way, then I I feel bad for you uh, as a BC fan. And I I think that you are uh, severely off base. I'll just say that. And I think you know, based on the past few weeks of conversations we've
1: had, uh, both on air and off, that's not remotely what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we had a baseline of seven wins and we had to fix a couple of problems, you know, really fully on the defensive side. And if we had done that, then I would have liked our chances next year.
0: Well, anyway. the bottom line is that it would be – I know we're not doing any formalized dude pood this week, but my pood would absolutely be the – just that, the, the national perspective. It's really bothered me. It's been on Reddit CFB. It's been on all of Daz's you know, ESPN buddies that are saying this is such a mistake, whatever. Your BC, be happy with seven wins. I'm not necessarily saying that's your point, but – that is something that has bothered me significantly over the last 24 hours, and really, I guess, for the couple weeks leading up to this.
1: All right, let's take a step back here. Um, I just I want to just go over kind of how the weekend ended up shaping up, but we should really start with the pit game. Hell of a game on Saturday. Uh, obviously, you know, wasn't enough, uh, and, and Jarman apparently didn't really care about it. He'd already made up his mind, rightfully so, right? But um, I thought it was a, a cool win, a great win for the program. It's cool, the bowl eligible. It's obviously not the ultimate goal. But, you know, what the offense did on Saturday against Pitt, at Pitt, um, we were, what, nine-and-a-half-point dogs against the sixth-best-rushing uh, defense in the country. BC racks up 264 yards, Dylan in on the offensive line had a huge game. Grisell came through, and it mattered. He kept the sticks moving, had a great touchdown throw to uh, Hunter Long for the first touchdown there. Um, the defense played great. They you know, really played the game of their life, holding Pitt to just 19 points. McDuffie which is, sad, which is
0: such a sad statement. I mean, I agree with you, but that's such a sad statement that the best game that this defense could possibly play is holding the University of Pittsburgh to around 20 points. Did you, did you know I mean, I looked this up. It's the first
1: time since September that we've held a team under 38 points. Yeah, I can buy that.
0: That's just not surprising. <laughs>
1: um but anyway, you saw what happened when uh when you know your best player, McDuffie comes McStuffie rather comes back. Um you know, and I tweeted this out, but I think it's fair to say that this defense, you know, with him holding it down in the middle with Richardson would have looked a lot different, uh, if he was healthy this year and it could have turned a couple of those, you know, five or less point, uh, losses that we had to, to wake and Louisville and, you know, maybe Florida state, we could have turned those from losses to wins very easily. So, um, you know, you, you like to see that McDuffie had 13 tackles, two sacks, um, they did give up a ton of passing yards, three hundred twenty-three. Doesn't sound like them at all. It must be a different defense. But it was similar to the Virginia Tech game where you know we dominated the turnover uh, battle. I think we what was it four to zero on the on the turnover battle. Um, so we were able to keep Pitt out of the red zone and um, you know gave the offense a short field. So you know really offensively and defensively, I thought it was a really complete performance. I was glad to send Daz out with a W. I thought it would be enough to keep him around. Um, it really was a roller coaster of a day on Saturday, really all weekend, really all week. Uh, when you talk about the rumors with, you know, Daz going to Rutgers and then, you know, is Chiano going to take, uh, then Chiano takes the job and then, you know, Daz and, and MJ hug at the 50 yard line. And, you know, it, it was just oh uh,
0: my, yeah, my take, my take on that interaction is that they basically had an agreement beforehand that, look, this is it. Um, you know, there was a bar to, to hit this year and, you know, getting six regular season wins is not reaching that bar, but look, we appreciate what you did. And we obviously want to send you out on a high note. Um, so I took that to be, and I, I saw some people saying it on Twitter, like, you know, MJ is just a stone cold killer, basically giving him the handshake and then shooting him when he looks away. But I took that to be a much more you know, positive. And again, you know, as much as you know, we, we do trash him sometimes. I think that there's a lot that he can be commended for. And, you know, I do think getting out on a high note, um, the players seemed excited in the locker room after, and and obviously they're excited to go bowling. So overall, I'm, um, you know, certainly very pleased with how Saturday went. That was the A.J. Dillon game that we were waiting for all year. Guy was just an absolute monster, especially on that last drive. So, and and, and realistically, too, that will be his last game in maroon and gold. I think he'd be an idiot to play in the quick lane bowl personally, but, um, yeah, that's just my two cents. Very happy overall with the performance and also glad that, you know, I was a little worried that BC would be that short-sighted, that they would have one game dictate a 90-game sample size, but glad to see that there was a little bit more foresight and, and that decision was not made on the, you know, drop of a hat.
1: Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. And and my thought was, if they won, it would give them something to think about. Obviously, if they lost, and that's right. not to say that it's one game basing everything, but you can't bring back a coach that yeah, w- right. would have been, what, losing six of eight after he... Last year also imploded down the stretch, um, so I, I was pretty sure he was gone with a loss. Uh, especially, I mean, I, I, you sort of knew that there were signs, right? Like on his his uh, Monday press or whatever it was, he just seemed sort of dejected. Yeah, the body
0: language, and, and I do think you know, getting blown out to Notre Dame is like a you know that's a loss you can't afford, right? Like that's especially for BC, which is a fan base that is at least with the money, you know, the the, the big donors, they're not probably tuned in week in week out like we are. But they see when we lose by fifty to Notre Dame, and that does, you know, get some heads rolling. I would assume that that these conversations were happening earlier in the year. Some folks have said that, you know, the the behind the scenes turmoil started after Kansas, which would make a lot of sense too. But yeah, it seemed to me like he knew there was nothing he possibly could have done. So go out on a high note, and that's kind of all you can ask.
1: Yeah, it was it was it was that press conference combined with the Rutgers rumors because like, yep. you figure if if he knew he was safe, yeah, he's he not would, even entertaining that. He right? Yeah, and, and if it was a fake report, which, you know, maybe it was, he would have shut it down immediately right, type of thing, right. right? So the fact that that was hanging out there on Wednesday, um, and I think ultimately probably scared Chiano into uh, to coming back to the table. Um, but I, I had sort of convinced myself, especially the way Saturday went, and then you talked about the, the celebration in the locker room afterwards. I was feeling good Saturday. I was thinking, all right, you know, obviously it wasn't a great year, but, you know, the administration will understand that we lost AB midway through the year, we sent a ton of guys to the NFL on defense last year. We only returned three starters, and you know not to make excuses because I know there are, there have been a lot of excuses being tossed around in this tenure. Um, but those are things you have to take into consideration. And if this team was fully loaded, would the results have been different? I think they would have been. Um, but in year seven, uh, I don't blame I don't necessarily blame people for uh, for taking action, especially you know MJ had to make a move to really last year, uh, either in football or basketball. And I do think that if he had acted on Jim Christian last year, then we wouldn't be in this situation. But it's getting to the point where that was becoming his legacy is just not making a move. So uh, for, for personal reasons, and I'm not saying it's not the right reason, but I, I had the feeling in the back of my mind that MJ said, all right, I got to do something.
0: Right. Yeah, it, it is a really interesting dynamic, too, with the, with the basketball side of it. Like it's it's. Legitimately, the basketball, I mean, and I don't really want to get into it because it's depressing, but what uh, we've seen at like, the start I of this year, like to, I'm sure you would. No, I mean, this is, again, you're psyched about this, and I'm well, worried no, that, Matt, that I mean, you're going to be the same it. With, with football if they no, go I'm down. No, I'm not.
1: I'm not. Well, maybe I will. I don't know. but I uh, think you no, will. I won't, I won't do that. But what, the reason I dump on the basketball team is, A, because it's an embarrassment. B, I used to love them, and, and now I, it's just nothing to me. It's, it's nothingness. What's the point of watching? And three, yeah, I, I felt that if basketball was egregiously bad, which they are, then that would take the heat off football being average. And we'd be able to to sort of stay the course because I think that's the path forward. And um, now we're looking at, you know, the next few years to be lost years in both programs. And, uh, you know, me caring, me being a super fan is, uh, I don't know, It's it, it sort of takes all the fun out of it for the foreseeable future.
0: Yeah, I think that's a, a very pessimistic output that I will not agree with you on. I think that there is, again, a ton to be excited about here, but neither well, here nor yeah, there. You, well, I know, but like that's...
1: Like you, you understand that like seventy percent of Power Five coaches fail,
0: and the ones that do succeed, it usually doesn't happen until year four. Fine, but this isn't. A, I'm not going to say that this is a this isn't like a success that we should be that we should be striving for. If you told me right now, man, and if, and if you know you said, hey, this next coach is going to come in and get you, you know, six or seven wins every year, I'm not happy with that either. And you shouldn't, and and neither should anybody. So it's the same when we when we hired Daz. Like that's not the measure of success that we need to be looking for. Is the bottom line. OK, but so, it, so by, I'm saying by that metric, you would put him in the 70 percent of, of failures.
1: I didn't fully follow
0: that, but I'm sure I'm sure whatever it is, is it
1: makes sense. Thank you. Uh, but, but my, my point in the 70 is, percent is the massive failures. Right. It's, it's more like what you see at Florida State, um, what you saw at, at Mississippi State. I mean, friggin uh, Scott Frost at Nebraska, they're paying him five million dollars a year. He was the perfect hire. And you see what he's, now he's on the hot seat in year two, despite him being a legend for that program, and he went undefeated with UCF. I mean, even if you hire the perfect guy, there's still a pretty good chance of failure. And that's not even taking taking into consideration all the challenges that are well documented at BC when you talk about the budget constraints, you know, the inability to hold on to star coordinators, right? Uh, The, the, you know, lack of recruiting footholds unless you go to other states. I mean, the list goes on.
0: Well, again, shout out to our insiders, at Eagle Insiders, BC247, but... The reports are at least that the assistant budgets have been drastically uh, increased, as well as the overall head coaching budget here. I think the board of trustees has finally realized that money is needed to to win here. I mean, you look at what Shiano was asking, which I do think eight years, $32 million and 25 guaranteed is a crazy price tag. But I think he had another line in there for seven million a year for his basically staff so that's like 10 to 15 guys so you could get coordinators at you know five six seven hundred thousand and that's when you start to to keep these guys so i think that if we do make that investment then you're not going to run into these challenges anymore we kind of need to decide are we going to go in or are we or are we not are we just going to be okay with mediocrity i think that's firing and and what sounds like at least the back channel conversations going on are that we actually are investing and actually going to attempt to have a top twenty five program like the you know capital campaign lays out all the time, which it also says for basketball, which clearly we're not even making an effort in. But again, neither here nor there.
1: That Richmond game on Saturday. Well, was, you, it's it's amazing. One of the worst and, things I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, and, and and I tweeted it out, but it's the easiest bet in the history of of sports is whatever the line is for the opposition, the second half line. Take it with all of your money. I don't know what happens if it's like we are just that maybe poor, uh, poor schematically, and it's something that any coach with brains can you know take a second half and say, oh yeah, this is like super easy to dissect and tear these guys apart, and, and we'll beat them by fifty because that's how it seems. If you look through like the last three or four games, that's basically been exactly how it's how it's broken out. We've hung very tough in the first half to. You know, not bad opponents. Like, Richmond's a good team. you know, <laughs> Richmond's a fine team. DePaul's a tournament team. You know, they're, they're, these are fine teams. That's really but... ever, to, ever to excel there, Matt. No, I, mean, I agree with you. It's, it's pathetic. <laughs> but I'm saying if you if you won these games, even if it was by two points, you'd be feeling good. But it's, yeah, you hang tough and then you lose by 100 in the second half. So, yeah, very it's, it's frustrated there. This year. I think North, Northwestern will kill him tomorrow in the uh, A.J. Turner revenge game. Is he still even there, by the way? Do we know? I can't. That was like 2014. Yeah, it seems like, it seems like he shouldn't be, but with transfers, you never know. I think this year it's more of a talent thing
1: than anything. We don't have any good players, and the good players that we do have don't get touches because Derek, Eli, Carter, Thornton um, is just all he does is you know ill-advised shots and, and turn the ball over. So um, I I just can't stand that Jim Christian still has a job as Steve Adazio doesn't. And if I know Father Leahy, Adazio going down might mean that Christian's here even longer. Uh, which is just unf- unfathomable to me at this I point. Could, I in, could in see, year six. I
0: could see, and again, I don't want to get off topic here because obviously football is the you know main main uh, article here. But I could see a midseason firing for basketball, which I know is in, you know just impossibly un-VC, But the way these last few games have gone, Martin obviously is a basketball guy first and foremost, so he's more plugged in than any athletic director we've ever had before. I absolutely could see just being completely embarrassed and, and, you know, I'm sure he already is, but being completely embarrassed and saying, look, enough's enough. We've given you same thing, seven years, let Spinelli, you know, be the interim coach for the year. He's really the best recruiter that we have. So it's not even like we'd lose the Christian recruiting bump, which while the guys haven't necessarily panned out, I think the freshmen have looked you know good so far, but they're still at least very high recruits. So maybe give them a, a little bit to develop, but yeah, I'm with you. It's absolutely atrocious and it, it does add insult to injury, but you know it's an interesting dynamic here at boston college and and here we are hockey though is one like five straight so that's good i guess i, I don't really care
1: congrats to the hockey yep. team yep um okay uh i don't really have much else on my list here matt uh regarding the pit game i, I actually want one, one other note here uh how ironic is it that in, in coach Dazio's last game we go for four for four uh on field goals
0: yeah that's a, that's a very fitting tribute. I will say that, and for good measure, another uh, kick out of bounds. Just phenomenal. Oh, I, can't yeah, get I forgot enough of about it. that. I can't was, get enough of it. It was multiple. I
1: think. Were there two? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I
0: believe it. It's yeah. uh, that's my favorite subplot in the history of, of BC athletics, and I, I hope it never ends. Um, but, but I mean, it's a big time win. I mean, at Pitt, I mean, we were not nine and a half point
1: dogs, right? which was crazy. By the they're, way, they're, I, that, that I agree.
0: Mine made no sense to me, but yeah,
1: I agree. Uh, but they're what the second best team in the coastal. So when you look at our schedule, we beat
0: third, obviously, but
1: well, they're all tied for second. Yeah, right? fair, fair. That's fair. um, so if you, if you look at it, right. So we beat, uh, the second and third best team in the coastal. Yep. And then we also obviously, uh, who else did we beat? Oh, we, N- we beat NC state Syrac- Syracuse. <laughs> yeah, that's right. There you go. It's Monday, Matt. My brain's not working properly, yep. but we beat Syracuse at NC state by 52 points. Again with a with a backup quarterback and you know a rebuilding defense, so there were some positives this year. Obviously, you know, obviously, what if if you turn around the games against against Florida State, against Louisville, and uh, you know Wake, then you know that's ten wins right there. And I know it's easy to say that, but it's, yeah, I mean you uh, could do that. You could
0: do that every year, and, and there's a reason why it's never come to fruition.
1: No, I know, but but it, it's just crazy to me that you know you think about those games and how. It's really one one key play that, that could have made the difference in all three of those games, and, um, you know, if we get a couple of those, then we're having a very different conversation. Obviously, you know, it goes back to last year, too, with Florida State, you know, obviously giving up that that, that last-minute touchdown. I mean, and, and, you know, I get everyone saying at some point it is what it is and Daz is what he is, but it's just so frustrating that, you know, instead of just fixing those small things that prevents those plays from happening, we're starting from square one. And th- and that's my concern at all this is that, you know we're not going to see a winning BC program for the next few years, and that, that makes me—that's that, that's, that that's absurd me, fear. It makes I mean, me sad. It makes me sad, Matt. Yeah,
0: if that's the case, Matt, that will suck for everyone except for you. You'll be psyched, but it will—it will like that's. I think that you're you're just super pessimistic right now. Is the bottom line? Um, I, I think realistic is, is
1: a better. Term you think than realistic? Pessimistic. You
0: think it's so? If you're a gambling man right now, you would you would go and and if you got you know even money odds on the over or under say three and a half for the next four years, you're going to take the under on that i wouldn't I wouldn't bet against b c no but if you think it's it's above six and a half, then
1: you're probably out of your mind
0: okay i mean look there's no there's no point in arguing with you, i think we've well, gone no, down I'm that just, road many times. It's out. just what, like what what realistically will happen when you. It's not. Like you can't coach. say it's realistic. It's pessimistic. If you like, first of all, the turnover is, is is not going to be what you expect. uh The again, shout out to Eagle Insiders. They've been reaching out to the commits so far. There's been no real sign of of wavering, yeah, at least there's for any big names. I've read that too, Matt.
1: There's there's a few that are
0: taken off. Do you, do you know this? That there's a few that's taken off. Yeah,
1: read the freaking read the article.
0: Okay. Uh, I, I can't will... say their
1: names because it's a it's a VIP post. It's a premium perk, so go sign yeah, up. Yeah, so we can't say it. You guys have to to pay the uh, the subscription, which by the way we rec- we recommend doing. Um, it's absolutely a no brainer. Um, but we will lose people. We will continue to lose people, especially by the way, if we don't either bring in number one a big name or two uh, you know someone that has a similar philosophy to what Daz had. Because again, people come well, here sure, to but play. At that point-
0: you they can't come get upset to play about power that football. if you're doing it. Right. But but that's like you, you get your guys, you get the right style of guys in there. You know, that's not a bad thing inherently. OK, but it, it takes two
1: to three years then to implement, to recruit the guys that fit your system. And, you know, hopefully you cross your fingers that it all works out. But more often than not, it doesn't. That's all I'm saying. It's not that absurd to
0: say that. OK, but let me a simple yes or no question here. Because we do need to move on. There's a lot to cover in this emergency podcast episode. That is, I think we've gone off the rails a little bit here. Bottom line, if you could guarantee, let's say Spaz Day or Dad's stays, you could guarantee the next four years we win six or seven games exclusively. Or you take the unknown, like, yes, there's a risk. But are you just going to be happy with for the next decade of, of never going above seven wins? No, but I think
1: you and I would both agree
0: that Daz is bringing back probably one of his better teams next year. And if everyone stayed healthy. Well, I mean, you give, you're losing you Dylan, coach... who you've, you, you know, you, you counted Dylan injury last year for like five wins. So okay, you're losing him. Have, that's now We
1: have Bailey, who who is what could be a junior. You have Garwo. You have the best line getting one year better. You have Bajakian with another year in the off season to mentor Grosell, who I think has a ton of potential. Well, I mean, it would untapped. be AB, but yeah. Either AB or Grosell or Sam Johnson, whoever it is, we have options. Uh, the offense would again be one of the top in the country. The defense would only get better. So yeah. By the I way, think I do have a little. Say little say I know
0: we didn't do we didn't do an episode after Notre Dame. I have a little bone to pick with you on this best offense in the country that can only score three point or seven points against Notre Dame and three points against Clemson or whatever it was. Let's be clear that it's a good offense because it's more than what BC's been able to do. You Know over the past couple of years, but by no means is this some electric elite offense that can't put up anything against report in the news. It's, it's
1: the best statistical offense since uh, 1984. I think. Well, that's sad in and of itself. Well, well we had the, we had you know, it was better, we are getting more yards per game than during the Matt Ryan years. Okay, that's all Did I'm you, saying. Do you, is this a better offense than the Matt Ryan years? It's it's comparable, yeah, it's a little different, obviously, because it's comparable.
0: What, yeah, what, that's what I said. I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to make sure I, I heard that correctly.
1: Yeah, we gained 40, 40 more yards per game than okay. we did in the Matt Ryan days. It's just on the okay. ground. Some people have a big issue with it. The, the issue was is clearly on the defensive side
0: of the football. If we have an average defense, it, not, where, but, but, we win but, but 10 but games this year. But it's a fine. It's a final. Again, the fact that we can't score more than 10 points against Notre Dame or Clemson is, and I know those are good teams, but like that's that should be a red flag.
1: I mean, clubs is, is the best team in college football history. Yeah, it was tough to go on the road at Notre Dame with a backup quarterback.
0: But yeah, I mean, against everyone else, well, we you put just up huge back, numbers. Oh my God. All right, let's move on. Uh, I want to just touch quickly here. I don't want to go too into it because I think it's, it's already been laid out there. I do want to talk about the player reactions. I don't want to bash on, again, Daz too much here because I do think that there are multiple perspectives to every story. The reality is that some coaches are going to rub, you know, some guys the the right way and some guys the wrong way, as we've seen here. The big four names, I'd say, really in the player reaction side of things would be uh, Josh Kize and Andre Williams came out pretty vocally um, against Daz with some, I'd say, some damning stories. And then on the other side, uh, he was defended pretty strongly by Matt Patch and the the grad transfer, who, you know, again. He, uh, it, and I don't say this in any bad way whatsoever because he has all the right to be loyal to Daz. This guy recruited him to Florida. He helped him get you know, another shot at BC. He's an offensive line guy. He absolutely should be in his corner. And then Miles Willis as well, who I think is you know one of the highest character guys to, to ever put on the BC uniform. So that is a, a good one uh, to have in the in the Daz corner for sure. But it's ugly. It's 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 ugly to see the stories come out. Overall, you you know hope that they're not a hundred percent true or there's there's more to the story or whatever it is. But you know it's it's interesting to see where the bodies are buried. There were a couple other, you know, Chris Cameron, the former, uh, I don't know what his role was, the SID or something. But there, there's some stuff out there. And I think we did see some of Daz's thin skin sometimes during the press conference and things like that. But it's interesting to see. I'll just, I'll leave it at that.
1: I'd say it's it's probably 95 to 5 uh, pro Daz and anti Daz. When I look at, um, and you mentioned Patchen, Miles Willis, John Fadul, and all the players that played over the last three years, you know, liking those comments. Uh, I think it's pretty clear that, that these guys love Daz and you don't have to look any further than the post-game celebration on Saturday. Also say, the Andre Williams thing is just weird. Like, sorry, he wouldn't shake your hand when he's trying to prepare for a game when he probably didn't even see you. Like, that's such a weird thing to have a big issue with. I think well, but you some also, of these people, and know. Kai's, Kai's is probably the same way. He got cut from the Falcons. He's looking for an axe to grind it. Oh, come oh, yeah. on. He, so
0: you're going to tell me you don't buy that story? No, I,
1: I don't. It's a weird story. Maybe it's born out of truth, but I think it's more likely that uh, there's a there's a personal issue there. And, and it's football. I mean, that's what ha- ex players have, you know, talk shit about their,
0: their former. You Google, uh, you know, Nick Saban and there's all sorts of former players that rip Right, in. but is Nick Saban going to lock you out of the facility and then call your, your current boss and try to get you cut? I mean, if that's even remotely true, that's like pathetic. Does that sound, Again, like, a
1: real, yeah, does that sound like a real story? Honestly, yes, it does. Okay. It honestly does. For, on the Andre Williams side, I'd say not shaking your hand um, is a is a decent trade off for getting not I don't want to say single handedly, but uh, you know increasing your yards per uh, you know, rushing yards per season from about 400 to 2,200 uh, in the one year that Daz was there. So it's weird that that Andre is is anti Daz. I would have thought that you know he'd be appreciative of of the opportunities that came about as a result of, you know, Daz's style of play and, and the offensive line and, and all that, but um, but who knows. But I, I think that it's, it's more so people, you know, being opportunistic and, and hating Daz. I don't read a lot into it. I, I read into all, everything that everyone else is saying, saying how great of a guy he is.
0: Okay, that's, that's, that's not even remotely a surprising take, so we'll move on. Uh, the other reactions, again, the locker room side of it, um, by all accounts, again, on the insider accounts, no one was... Super. I mean, no. I think everyone just kind of saw it coming. Marcus
1: Marcus Outlow also had an anti DAS statement. Okay, um, that's because he got buried on the depth chart and, and didn't get any touches and ended up playing at Stony Brook.
0: Okay uh again the locker room it seemed like no one was you know obviously no one was going to be jumping for joy but also no one was you know throwing chairs or anything it just seems like everyone kind of expected it to happen I think they all seem to appreciate you know him for for what he did but uh, appreciate that that it's time to move on Martin had like a, a 90 minute discussion with them uh last night to walk through it all so I think that you know I would imagine that that those guys are pretty comfortable uh you know with Martin's decision making and the ability for him to come up with the right guy. So there will be, you know, of course, some wait and see, I'm sure, with some of the guys. But, you know, for the most part, I think that you saw what happened at Ole Miss where they fired, uh, what's the guy's name, Luke or Lake or whatever, and, and now half the team is, is threatening to transfer. So could be something like that. It's not the case here, which is, you know, obviously a relief. That
1: story was debunked. Um, the, think, the Ole Miss one? Yeah, someone okay. said that, and then all the other players were like, ah, it didn't actually happen. Okay, interesting. Um, so so I have a quick on that on that subject, and this is a combination of some insider stuff, but really just educated guesses here's a list of names that i have that have some type of connection to uh either new jersey the o-line pipeline um or the i guess the daz pipeline basically names that i could see entering the transfer portal you know everyone knows how easy it is to transfer these days um it's essentially free agency in college football so when a big uh you know event like this occurs and and the coach gets fired you see um you know a a ton of attrition so here's the list of names i'm not saying they're all leaving but I, i wouldn't be surprised to see a portion of these go uh, Petrula, Vrabel, AB, Garwo, Kobe, Flowers, McDuffie, Richardson, Sheeta, uh, Marcus Valdez, Muse, De Palma, and basically every good offensive lineman okay. running back and tight end we have, Matt. Okay.
0: So, so everyone is just your, your, your answer there. I, I think we did could you, see a did, ton you, of did you mention your name as well? Are you also going to transfer? Wherever Daz ends up, I'll be, be following fan that by program. Tuesday, yeah. <laughs> um, and that's
1: not even mentioning the top commits, like you mentioned earlier: Kevin Pine, Corey Smith, uh, Gordner, Trapillo, Joiner. Okay. Look, there's I, no I, sense in even arguing with this. Ma- I think many you're, many you're of those, you're absolutely out of your mind. Lot, you're out of your of mind. Guys, man, a lot of those guys will go to other programs. That is a fact.
0: Some of those guys will go to other programs. For you to literally list every single person on the two deep and say these are all people who I expect to go to the transfer portal is. Absolutely insane. That is that just doesn't happen when yeah, there's going to be attrition, but that does not happen in the magnitude that you're talking about right now. So, again, no point in arguing at this point. We're just laying out opinions here. Um, the other two, and, then, and I do want to spend some time talking about the possible replacements. So for the last you know back half of the episode and all that. Um, the only other one I want to talk about just quickly is. We talked about how fun this is from the fan perspective or from all other fans, but, like, the rumors and all that. This has to be so much fun and, yeah, stressful as hell, but to be Martin Jarman for the next week just has to be awesome. Like, we all know the names. He's going to interview these coaches trying to, you know, come up with offers to to be the guy. Like, this has got to be the highest stakes, but also the most fun that he'll have, you know, as an athletic director. So, jealous for him. And I do want to set up a conclave-type setup. We got the whole Catholics football thing. Lock everyone in Conti for – However long it takes until the maroon smoke comes out, and then we can let him out and announce we have a, a new head coach. So I'm all in on that. But overall, very jealous of, of Martin's next week.
1: Yeah, I mean, fun, fun is one way to describe it. I, I think <laughs> it's maybe I, not, maybe not the right one, but in a lot of ways, this is the biggest hire he'll ever make. Right. Um, yeah, this, this is. I mean, it's it's a career maker. His legacy, and we all know that he's he doesn't really have a connection to Boston College. I think he ultimately would likely want to get back to the Big Ten, probably at Ohio State. Gene Smith's getting up there in age. Um, it would make sense that Jarmond is the successor, but I think that in order for the board of trustees to uh, to hire the next AD at a school like Ohio State, he's got to have some serious uh, things to point to that are that go beyond you know sort of the day to day like the uh, you know the, the even the facility and um, you know the game day tailgate enhancement stuff like that that doesn't really cut it um, you know they're gonna ask him what big hires have you made. Uh, what has succeeded and uh, so in a lot of ways you know this is absolutely ginormous again this is sort of why I thought that he wouldn't leave he'd, he'd kind of leave the football program as is especially from you know a national standpoint it seemed like there was it was it was at least 50-50 on whether Dash should stay or go but basketball by all accounts is it's a pretty clear-cut answer here so I thought from from that standpoint him being a basketball guy that's how we'd make his mark uh, but instead he's making his first first big hire it's it's football um, he obviously has a ton of connections to Ohio state, et cetera.
0: Um, so I guess we'll, uh, we'll see what happens. Well, with that, we'll segue into some of the names that are being floated around. I'm sure you're unhappy with every single one of these. Um, but well, man, uh, can we, can we just like pop the brakes here? I'm just, all I'm trying to do here is present the other side. And I
1: know 99% of, of fans on, on Twitter or whatever are thrilled and assume that whoever comes in is going to do a great job. And I, I, I certainly hope that that's the case, but um, part of my goal here is to also, you know, try to try to alert the masses to some of the downsides here, and what what history has shown is that you know this may not go as well as what everyone thinks.
0: Okay, well, I don't know. I the the You'll root for whoever does feel a little hollow right now. I think we'll we'll have to touch base in in next August, next September. But um, we'll start with the the big three names, all of which have Ohio State uh, connections in some capacity. So Martin's, you know, certainly I think going to be uh, hitting that pipeline where possible. The biggest name I think by far would be the I don't want to say the, the, the home run, but by far the the, the highest profile name, Luke Fickle, uh, current coach uh, at Cincinnati, has them back in the top 25, I think, as he's had for the last couple of years, uh, was the defensive coordinator at Ohio State, the interim head coach for a little bit, I think, during some of the trestle drama, etc. So, you know, clearly has a has a working relationship with Martin and is, you know, a, a elite recruiter, um, especially in the Midwest for, you know, some of those Ohio State teams and, you is probably the hottest name in the college football coaching uh, scheme uh, scene right now as as an up and comer. I would say so. The only downside I have for him is that you know, a he's probably interested in in a higher profile job, we'll say, or or something more in the Midwest. Again, Michigan State was rumored to be open this year. Sounds like that won't be, but that will be coming up soon. Or it's, you know, trying to wait out some other, you know, massive job, Michigan, when they come on the market, presumably, you know, within the next couple of years at this point. So my only downside with him is that he would, you know, A, maybe not be interested right away because of that, but also, you know, want to take off in a year or two, which I don't think should be a disqualifier either. Like I think we, we've, you know, we talked about it with the, the Jag stuff, but you can't get mad at a coach if you hire someone and he does well and then wants to to move on. You don't just want someone, you know, Spaziani who would stay, stay here forever, but at the same time, you don't want to have someone who you know his goal is to get to the Big Ten within you know probably a year or two.
1: Yeah, I, I personally I, – and, and by the way, Matt, I would shut up about everything I've ever said if we were able to land Luke Fickle. I think the fact of the matter is it's just – there's zero chance of this happening. Um, he's an Ohio State guy. He played at Ohio State. He was a coach there for a number of years. He's now, what, an hour away in Cincinnati, and he's the hottest name on the coaching block. He's making, I think, $2.4 million, and we paid Daz, what, $2.6 million? So yeah. if you put yourself in his shoes, right, he would leave a place where he wants to be long-term. He has six kids. He's going to uproot all six of his kids, move to a place he's never been before in Boston, uh, a place that you know, we disagree on the level of, uh, and I don't want to say the word rebuild, but a place with significant challenges, and for him to be considered a success, he would have to come in right away and get to the nine plus win territory that all the BC fans are clamoring for. It's a tall task. And if I was him, I would just ride it out what I'm doing in Cincinnati, keep winning in a, you know, much easier conference. And uh, again, uh, he's an hour away from the place he wants to end up in Ohio State. Ryan Day, you know, he'll probably be there, what, you know, four or five years. I, I could see Ryan Day jumping to the NFL and then Luke Fickle's coach and waiting.
0: Yeah, but, no, I, but I don't. I don't. Yeah, go ahead. If if this. I'll, I'll. We'll
1: completely shut up about everything if we are. But I. I think it's going to take, you know, Jarman probably opening Leahy's wallet to, probably the four million dollars. Yeah. Order, I, in order for I think four happen, million. Yeah. You and I both know is not going to happen.
0: Uh, I think it could get. I won't say it will breach four, but I wouldn't be surprised if his next guy comes away with you know, the high threes. Um. When it's all said and done, I mean the reality is you know to your point of of Cincinnati giving someone two point four, like we should not be on the same level of them compensation wise if we want to be a true power five ACC competitive school I agree which is a decision uh, that needs to be made at a, at a higher level and, and maybe this is a good t- a good time to ask so he obviously he's a defensive
1: guy and I know we've talked about this before I, I always lean towards offense especially at a school like BC if you want to continue that that power football O-line you mentality he's a defensive you know guy obviously he's, he's head coach now obviously but I think it would be very interesting to see what the philosophy would end up being on the offensive side of the football. I don't think it's a huge stretch. Not that I watch a ton of Cincinnati, but just based on what I know of of them, uh, I do think it would be a similar type of philosophy. Yep. But you know, obviously, if he could come in fix the defense, that would be huge. And you know, maybe there isn't a big drop off, but sure. um, You know, for for all those reasons, I do think he'd be a slam dunk. I just I don't see it happening.
0: Yeah, if I can stereotype an entire region of the country, I do just think the Midwest, like normally, is a is a power football side of things. Whether it's the Packers, Wisconsin, they play Ohio State. like
1: really physical in basketball. Cold so weather, I think that's, it's just cold weather. These
0: big, burly, there's meat on their bones. These, you know, uh, again, think about all the you know linemen that Wisconsin pumps out and, and everyone else in the Big Ten. So I would assume that he also would would want to kind of lean that style on the offense side of the ball. But I'm with you. I'm saying that on no statistical evidence whatsoever
1: agreed uh so another one from that same tier and admittedly i don't know a ton about this guy because i also don't think he's coming here uh, but mike norval is another name that is among the hottest in the country uh, he's the coach over at memphis he is 38 years of age and he's had a lot of success there uh, he's getting looks from all over the place he's thought to be one of the front runners of the florida state job um, but he's the type of guy that could come in and he's an offensive guy um He's, a, he's, you know, Memphis greats, gets great players considering, you know, the conference they play in. They're also in the AAC. Um, so he, he's a guy that, that, you know, would be a hot name and, and one of those can't miss kind of guys uh, similar to like a Scott Satterfield, right? I, yeah. I kind of view Norvell in that same mold where he's had success, sustained success for multiple years. Um, Memphis is 11-1 and one this year. They were great last year. And, uh, you know, so so that's another name that we could see. But again, until we're willing to open up the wallet, that's probably a pipe dream as well.
0: Yeah, I don't really see that. And I think that you know, if you're gonna get someone without uh, say say northeastern Midwest ties. Like I feel like there does need to be some connection to where it makes sense. Again, Fickle obviously has a working relationship with Jarman in the past, which I do think you know plays. And then I think he would do well because if we do look at our historical recruiting pipelines, of course, a lot of it's New England and New Jersey, but we've also actually, always been huge in you know Pennsylvania and Ohio, which is actually you know,
1: one uh, one X factor with Fickle is he's best buddies with Vrabel, which I didn't realize. Yep,
0: yep. But that's that could, huge.
1: Uh, that could be a big X
0: factor. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, sticking in the Ohio region, I think the uh, it seems like there's at least a top, you know, three or four names that are, that are rumored out there. So another one in that group is Jeff Halfley, who is the current, uh, OC, OC or DC? Where's DC. my uh, yeah, the current DC co- at Ohio co- state. D- co DC. Okay. So he is again, by all accounts, an elite recruiter, um, on that Ohio state defense right now, he has them statistically the best in the country right now versus Shiano last year had him in like the fifties with, you know, more or less the same players. Um, So it seems like he's a a very highly touted name. Again, a young guy, which does seem to be the direction that we're going in, which I agree with and is not surprising. Also, Martin's a a young guy. He probably wants something a little bit more exciting and energetic um, into the program. So expect his name to be circulated a lot. I would like it a lot, too. I think it would be. I don't wanna it's not a home run, it's certainly not on the fickle level, but I would be very happy with it. Um, I think it's you know a common refrain in college football, but by far the most important aspect of being a head coach is recruiting, no question about it. And by all accounts, he's a phenomenal recruiter. Again, you know, we did have that with Daz a little bit, although, you know, Daz was, was obviously a great recruiter at Florida and, and Notre Dame and all that. So possibility of a little bit of a you know, retread there theoretically, but uh overall I would be happy with that if we could make it happen. Again, he's a hot name as well, so who knows you know, how long he lasts or if he wants to wait for other stuff.
1: I'm not in love with this guy and I know he he is the hot name and I know he's a great recruiter. I just, I don't think we've seen enough from him at the the college level. This is his first year, uh, again, as co-DC of Ohio state and he's getting a lot of credit for, and I'm sure rightfully so, um, Ohio state has one of the best defense, probably the best defense in the country. Um, and so, you know, his involvement with that unit is obviously attractive, but, We've seen a couple defensive coordinators, particularly from Ohio State. You talk about uh, Chris Ash, who obviously just crashed and burned at Rutgers. So maybe that's in the back of my mind. Uh, but between that and, again, what, what would the offensive philosophy be under this guy? This guy's never run an offense. He would need, he would need someone that, that knows what they're doing at the offensive coordinator position. And that scares the crap out of me.
0: Yeah, no, I'm completely with you. I don't know how I don't know how important it is to at least your opinion of things um, whether or not they have head coaching experience. I don't think it's super important. I do think that there is absolutely a, a larger risk there. Chris Ash is a great example. DJ Durkin, same thing. You know, when he flamed out at Maryland, I'm not completely out on it. And, and there's another guy that we'll talk about in a minute um, who's a. Big name or a, a commonly uh, mentioned name right now that that doesn't have head coaching experience, but overall, I don't think it's 100 percent necessary. I do think it's nice, but I don't know. I, I'm curious to get your thoughts on on that.
1: I I, I absolutely think it's a plus, um, but I think that if MJ wants to make a splashy hire, that you know is is high risk high reward, which I think is probably what we're going to be looking at here. It will have to be someone like Halfley. Who doesn't have head coaching experience obviously we're not going to get a sitting coach in power five so it's it's just a conversation of all right do you want someone that plays lesser competition what i don't want and i hope you're not even going to mention this guy is the holy cross coach who's gone Correct. 500 yep um if you're coaching at fcs then i don't put any stake into that whatsoever because what i mean you're just, it's a complete question as to can you recruit at the, at the power five yep. level etc cetera, etc cetera.
0: Um, yeah, I, I so, agree. I will say he's a super good-looking dude. He's like kind of got, and I got don't the. See uh, it. And I know,
1: I know, dudes, man. I don't, I don't see it with him. That's true. Um,
0: one thing I will say though is you absolutely need
1: to have coordinator experience. And Correct. I have a feeling you're going to bring up the next guy.
0: Associate. Well, I, shouldn't say Ohio I should say, no, no, no. I should not say you absolutely need to have coordinator experience. Yeah, I am going to the, the the kind of the holy trinity here in the in the rounding out of the top three names is of course our guy Al Washington. I'll say he is apparently super. Uh, popular amongst some of the big donors. I, I think that the idea of having a BC guy come back, you know, is is you know, we do talk about someone wanting to stay here and wanting to be here. A BC guy is absolutely fits that mold. Excellent recruiter when he was here under Daz. Um, obviously played here as a linebacker and now has, you know, been with Ohio State for uh, at least this current year. I don't know if he was, he was with Cincinnati for a little bit too. Um, so weird. he's been – He's had four –
1: Teams in four years, which I don't know what that's yeah, but about. But he's been,
0: but he's been moving up, right? I mean, it's it's gotten better every year, with the exception of going from here to uh, Cincinnati, which at least was a responsibility increase.
1: Uh, he's the linebackers coach. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to read too much into it. I'm not saying he's you know not a not a great coach. He wouldn't be at Ohio State otherwise. Um, but I, I would have a huge issue with Al Washington. I, I think this is an insane, insane risk to take unnecessarily. Why, why wouldn't you just make him defensive? Wouldn't he accept defensive coordinator at yeah, this
0: point? I, I, do, I do agree with you on, on that side of it. It feels like, yeah, if you could get him in at a lower position and, and combine him with, you know, whatever, Fickle or name any of these other coaches – um, I do oh, agree with oh, that, maybe a Dazio, maybe, Adazio. maybe, Adazio. maybe, maybe you invent a
1: time machine yeah. hire to me, that, that would be and no one wants to hear this. I know, but that would be my perfect solution is just, you blow up the defense, you start from scratch on the defense. You bring in someone like Al Washington that can recruit the lights out, get some players in there. You, you, you patch it up however you need to with the transfer portal. You're solid at linebacker with Richardson and McDuffie. You build around that at Lamont, too. You build around them. Obviously, you got to grab someone from the D-line, someone someone in the D-backs, probably multiple people in the D-backs. But um, to me, that, that would have been the smart path forward. Obviously, way less risky, um, but I, I think that it could have it, it really could have made a successful season uh, going forward, having Al Washington as D-coordinator. But as far as him at head coach, I think that would, that would be a, a miracle if it worked out.
0: Yeah, I will say that I would be. So the other rumor now that's popped up is uh, he comes over and Don Brown comes over as defensive coordinator, which of course I think we're we're all aware at this point that I don't want to call it the hot seat, but there's at least some discomfort uh, with with Don Brown and the Michigan that, fan base. That should be the other way. Getting around, lit up by. It? Yes and no. I, I think that having, I think Washington would be a better face for the program, you know, yeah, young, energetic, like you just the recruiting as, side like, of it.
1: You get him as a coach in waiting, right? Don Brown yeah, comes I, back I, for three I years. wouldn't have a huge
0: issue with that. I mean, I think that, I think that if Don Brown did come over, it would be a little bit like a Pascaloni with Spaz where he, or I'm sorry, Pascaloni with Daz, where, you know, he's kind of the, call him the associate head coach, but he's uh, again, kind of being there as, as the sounding board and for game management, whether it's, you know, even timeout decisions, things like that, et cetera. But, I don't disagree. I don't, uh, and Don Brown, has, his name's popped up as ad coach as well. That one I don't get excited about at all. He's 64. I don't want to be ageist here, but like 64. Like we need someone, you know, young with fresh blood. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know. That one I don't love. I will say that we would not have to change the name, which is still a TBD thing that we're going to, you and I need to figure out, but that would at least make everything easy on that side of things.
1: Agreed. Um, so you, yeah, so you mentioned Don Brown, a couple of other names that have popped up. Uh, Jason Candle, who's over at Toledo. I don't know a ton about him and, and Toledo's had a bad couple of years, so but yep. he was a hot name from a couple of years ago. And uh, it's funny, but we saw what happened with, you know, them hiring Daz seven years ago is it's not just the guys that are the hot names that BC ends up hiring. Sometimes Correct. you take a four and seven coach from Temple. Right? So, yep. <laughs> um, you know, you could see some, someone like that. And, you know, we're obviously not in the room interviewing these guys. So, and I'm sure German has a very specific path forward to how he, you know, wants this program to look. Um, Eli Drinkowitz, uh, who we remember as the NC State defensive coordinator, now the Appalachian State head coach, who's gone 11 and 1 there. That's another name that it sounds like we might be interviewing. Um, although I think he's Jewish. And I'm not saying we can't have a Jewish coach. Yikes. Was that too much to say? No, I mean,
0: it's not. Go for it. Go for it. I'd <laughs> like to hear you out.
1: Well, Jarman said at the press conference today, we want someone with Catholic values. I think okay. he said that. So, and then it if, he, if he said
0: that, then that is a disqualifier. <laughs> I don't know that.
1: that this guy's Jewish either. I'm just going based off the name. I'm so, I'm with you
0: on the name. Yeah, that's fair.
1: Uh, but that could be a guy. He's a he's a relatively young guy, offensive guy, which again, you know, I would prefer over defense. Um, but I like, no, no,
0: he's got no northeast ties, and he is again, right now, he's you talked about again, hot names. He's leading Appalachian State to again like you said 11 and 1 top 20 like you got to think for these southeastern jobs cuz that's again he's been NC State App State when how when NC State opens up you know like that would be more of a fit um you know I, I don't know if, if if he's too low profile for FSU right now but I feel like college football is still a very regional sport and it's hard to take someone who you know, has exclusive Southeast experience or I I mean, I don't know where he was before that, but I know he's never been in the Northeast. It feels like a little bit of a a leap. I do think you need some Midwest or Northeast ties.
1: It's unbelievable that Dave Doran has a job and Steve Adazio doesn't. Fair enough. We beat them by a billion.
0: Yeah, it's not I mean, it's not a good look. I yeah, I think that their fans also would like a change as well.
1: Um, last one on my list and then you can uh, you can sound off if you have any others um, there's a bunch of guys at Clemson that I'd love to get my hands on Mike Reed's one of them he's an alum um, currently a D-backs coach obviously Clemson saw it all the way around and you know my, my theory is that if you take anyone from one of the top programs, they can come in and um, you know write the ship wherever yeah, they you know are. how to write they know how to run things. They know how to Yeah, they they, how the they've seen works. a program and, and, and they can implement whatever's working at Clemson at BC. I think that would be great. They also have uh, I'm blanking on their names, Tony Elliott and Jeff Scott maybe as co offensive coordinators. I don't think we would have a shot at either one of them. Seems like they're happy um and we'd have to open up the wallet and i think they'd have to the pick the letter down south i will say jeff scott's brother i did some deep research on this one his brother does live in boston oh huge. um so that's a that's a weird connection there you never know uh but jeff scott is an off- offensive genius and you know if, if i think that's obviously a, uh would be a great recruiting selling point to have someone from a big program like that but mike reed i think would probably make the most sense he's yep. an alum They've
0: been a solid defense forever. They've sent a ton of guys to the NFL. Yeah, by, speaking of that B- defense, BC by the way, guy. I think we could offer Brett Venables $20 million, and I feel like he still wouldn't take that job. He's going to have that defensive coordinator position at Clemson forever, and he's just going to be happy as a peach. Agreed. Not happening. I will. So the other one that's always thrown out every single time, there's been a coaching search for the last 100 years at Boston College, Pete Carmichael. Uh, offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. I think, d- does he have, he must have a BC connection, right? Because he is literally mentioned every single year or, or every single time that there is any, he's from Framingham. Yeah, he went to BC. Okay, so that makes sense. He's literally mentioned every single time that there is an opening. I, I don't really get it. Obviously the Saints have been a great offense for, Uh, forever and and he's been with them since 2009 but also it seems like the story is that's mostly a Breeze Peyton thing and I'm not really sure what he does that one doesn't excite me at all again very little uh, college experience and then the other names that I want And by the
1: way just just on that point like you don't come to BC and you don't get Drew Brees and Michael Thomas right guys like that right and and
0: I I said this when I was
1: arguing with people on Twitter which is all I seem to do these days Um, but like, you can't hire someone that is going to stray away from the power football. Like, we're not going to be able to out-recruit anyone in the ACC yep. when it comes to skill players. Right? I agree with that. not going to happen. That's why I was so in on Adazio. He, he implemented exactly the type of football we needed. He just made a couple bonehead decisions in-game and, you know, wasn't able to adjust. And a couple guys got hurt and there was a lightning storm and et cetera, et cetera. So, sure. anyway.
0: Yeah, and no, I mean, I, I'm, I'm with you overall. I think that there there is an element there of, of wanting a guy who has at least some BC connection for that reason. Again, to to our point earlier about a guy like Al Washington, he's played here. He understands the culture here. He would not try to install a running gun offensive coordinator. Right, he would try to kind of keep things consistent. So I hear you on that side of things. The one that I've seen posted on a couple lists that I want could not want less to do with uh, would be Skip Holtz, uh, currently the head coach at Louisiana Tech. He's a Connecticut guy. Absolutely not. Um, and then outside, a, I think he's that- a game. Co- he's got some. Uh- he used to be the uh, Gamecocks defensive coordinator. Yep, he was. No, he's the OC at South Carolina for from '99 to 2003. So um, I like him. I'm but a big, he's just like bouncing around. I'm a big around. Holtz
1: guy, not from the Notre Dame days, but from the South Carolina okay. days. You Interesting. Know
0: that. Yeah, no, I do. I that's yeah, that's absolutely right up your alley.
1: Actually, speaking of, not to interrupt, uh, have you heard the rumors of of Das potentially becoming the offensive coordinator at USC? I have I have not heard
0: that one, and that's he's, he's buddies with uh, with Muschamp. So I mean, uh, he's look. He is a bottom line is I think he is legitimately one of, if not the best, offensive line coach in college football or football. Period. Um, whether or not you're going to have success bringing that in as an offensive coordinator or a head coach is obviously a different story, but. You know, you talk about these big football factories that have these massive budgets for their assistants. Like toss him 600k to coach up your offensive line, and you'll have the best running game. You know, within within a year. That's what I'm thinking. Except,
1: here's what I think: I think he ends up in the pros I, I, I this year. That. I
0: think he probably lets because
1: I, I don't I don't have the buyout works, but he probably wants to sit around and, and collect the buyout for a year. And then I could see. I mean, there's a ton of BC connections with horrible offensive lines in the NFL. You think about Tennessee, obviously the Vrabel, uh, Miami with Flores. Atlanta with Lindstrom all three of those programs or all three of those teams have it's, it's probably the top three worst offensive lines in the NFL and you know he could easily come in and and, and fix that maybe even the Patriots honestly I mean Belichick obviously had great things to say about one star neck yeah one star neck he's like, like 80 a thousand years old yeah. <laughs> so I could see him landing in the NFL and that being a great spot for him because because you're right I think the public perception is he's not I don't want to say the games sort of left him by the wayside but unless you like a BC or Wisconsin or someone that's going to play power football, right. he's not going to be an attractive offensive coordinator to bring in.
0: Yeah, no, I hear you. And then on the Patriots note as well, the one that I want to mention that I, again, want nothing to do with is Brett Bioma. Um, he's currently coaching with the Patriots, so he does have some connection to the Northeast right now. He'd at least be, you know, an easy get for an interview, uh, just a short drive uh, up the road. But I personally, I just, I, I just don't really like the guy. Um, he always seemed like kind of a dick, uh, both at Arkansas and at Wisconsin, so I'd rather not deal with that.
1: He, I mean, he had great success at Wisconsin, right? He did. No so, days, yeah,
0: he absolutely is a winner, but I just uh, – I don't know. Yeah, I, don't, just, I just something, something feels off about it.
1: Just He's tough to look at, I think, is, that could is be it. issue with him. Yep, that could be it. um And he crashed and burned at uh, Arkansas, I think. Uh,
0: so, yes, he did not do great at Arkansas. So I
1: would agree with that. What about your boy, Steve Belichick?
0: I would love to give Steve Belichick a phone call. I think he is like five years away from a head coach. I do think that, again, he is essentially – and I know the defense didn't look great last night, but he – is a, I don't want to say an architect, but he is a key contributor on one of the best defenses in the league this year. So he's a, again, and and the other reason I would love this is because having the bill Belichick connection would be awesome. Like you'd have bill on the sidelines for, you know, all six home games. He'd be talking about in the press conference, I think from a local, you know, Boston's college team, like that would absolutely help with that perception. It would get us, you know, more media attention, more casual football fans would be turned on. So that's my biggest thing that I would love to see about that. I think it would just be a, a big selling point for Boston. Um, he Plus, is a super ugly guy. I'll just say that much <laughs> while we're talking about, the the stuff.
1: Plus he, uh, he might, Bill might literally fire him after their performance against Houston last Correct. night. So you never know with that. Um, All right. Is
0: that, that's everything on my list. Do you have any more? No, I mean, I think, I think I would, you know, I know there's a negative 0% chance you'd take it, but I think you got to at least give Mike Vrabel a call. Don't you? Just be like, Hey, you want to come coach your son for two years?
1: Why stop it for Why not just go right to Belichick?
0: Man. Well, it's Belichick's son doesn't play on the team.
1: Yeah, but Tennessee is like crushing it, and I agree. Frit, he Matt, just it got would be there. negative
0: negative one hundred percent. I'm just saying you have to give him the phone call. I think it's more likely his kid transfers tomorrow. Uh,
1: but anyway, so that's the uh, that's the the coaching hot list uh, as far as fourth and dude is concerned. Obviously, this is a what are your what are your rankings by the way?
0: Can I just get if if you if you had to give me a top three? Yeah,
1: n- number one's the time machine. Okay. I, okay. I tell you, I think you is head coach, Al Washington's defensive coordinator, um, and we go from there. Uh, no, I mean, I, I guess it, it would probably go Fickle,
0: Norville, and then... Uh, I don't even, I don't have a, Norville. doesn't really, I know he's a great coach, but it just feels like no connection. Again, talking about a guy with Fickle's downside of, you know, he's probably going to bolt for a job in two or three years. Like Norville, I feel like could leave tomorrow.
1: Yeah, I don't disagree with that. I just, I think you have to, <laughs> and I said this a billion times, but... This is the issue you're going to run into is if you don't make this the right hire, then we're all going to be. It's going to be like Al Skinner 2.0, where everyone's saying, "Hey, remember could how good be, we yeah. had
0: it?" I mean, it's a little different. I think making the tournament consistently is different than making the quick lane, quick lane bull every year. But yeah, I think we're pretty close. And, and by the way, I mean he that
1: that had fallen off it for at least a couple of years, right? When we canned him. Um, but he, it could be like a Tom O'Brien situation too. And I think you know Tom. But TLB Tom O'Brien was and,
0: consistently winning nine games. Yeah, and it's a, a big East. difference.
1: And a shitty Big East and a shitty ACC. I mean, yeah.
0: that's fine, but you, right? It's, it, I would say the conferences. I mean, obviously the ACC overall is better because you still have Clemson and you know not UConn. But I think BC, that BC
1: what the, the year that they won the uh, the Atlantic in two thousand seven,
0: they went five and three that year in conference. Now you have to go eight and zero and beat Clemson. It's it's just not the same. Oh, I agree. I mean, I, that's fine. I don't think the measuring stick should be you know are you winning the ACC necessarily? But I think consistently getting you know even second place would be I would take. I just I think it's a similar
1: argument. I think T.O.B. pissed off less people along the way, um, but the whole concept of the ceiling is is pretty much identical. So maybe you get a coach Jags that comes in for a couple of years, and uh, you know he's able to do more with with the, with DAS's players that that do stick around, um, or you get a
0: Spaz, and
1: uh, you know we'd have the same conversation again in three years, Matt.
0: Fair. I think overall my rankings. Obviously, I'll put Fickle at number one. I will say my number two would be uh, the Washington Brown combo. They need to both be together, or else I'm not completely sold on that. Um, but what do I'll you, say what do, you two, do? What do you do on offense? Because here's the other thing too: the you give a seven hundred thousand dollar offensive coordinator budget, and you get whoever you want.
1: Okay, because you know, and you know, this would never happen. But a lot of people are saying, "Oh, wouldn't it be great if we could keep Bajakian and, and Trotwine and Coach White, and we'll just bring in someone on the defensive side and like?" That's well, first of all, I don't know how great that would how be, works, but second of all, whatsoever. it is very
0: possible. I mean, it is very, it absolutely. Then why be would you fire the coach if you're going to keep all of his assistants? Are you nuts? I agree, they wouldn't hire. Him. I'm not saying, by the way, I'm not saying I want that to happen, but I don't think that's absurd to say. Hey, Mike, do you yeah, want to it, stick it on for absurd. a year? Yeah, it is absurd.
1: And I, if that would literally, you're you're saying just Bajakian?
0: Well, whoever, pick whoever you want. I mean, clearly there's, there's issues beyond just coach Adazio. This
1: whole staff is gone with the exception of maybe Ganel. And that's what happens when you fire a coach. There's a lot of uh, damage that that I can live with that. Okay. as long as you can live with that and we'll bring in, you know, a better staff across the board, the offense will be better. Defense will be better. And, um we'll see what happens so, i i'll
0: look i'll just end it with this i trust martin jarman and 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 he obviously hasn't proved his, it with a big time and yes, his lack of track record i just i i, I have Are a you good going based on the
1: him. women's basketball coach
0: uh i'll go on volleyball how about that <laughs> okay perfect I'm a, yeah so i like that one better but i just again he's a young guy he's an energetic guy he knows you know i feel like he's that a little bit more connected
1: to knowing what you're doing when it comes to hiring a coach. i trust him more i'm than terrified than of what's going to happen what brad bates
0: or gene d flippo would do
1: well, Gene was actually not bad at hiring coaches. I will say. I mean, he
0: hired Spas. Uh, yeah. Hey, you?
1: But... No, Donahue, Yeah, you're right.
0: All right. Okay. Um, all right. <laughs> um, so it should be an action pack next day, next 10 days or so, regardless. Again, a fun time to be a BC fan, or at least most of us. So be sure to follow us on Forth and Due to Twitter for all the updates. We'll, we'll definitely be active. And like we said, definitely keep an eye on the guys over at Eagle Insiders, BC247. There is legitimately no better time to sign up for their VIP level. They've been putting out like 10 premium insider perks a day. Um, I'm refreshing them constantly. So most of the stuff that you hear, us say is i feel like at least been originated by their insider tips so can't say enough good things about them um uh, definitely recommend subscribing and and they'll be on top of this for the next week or so depending on how yeah. long this goes
1: and we'll have we'll probably do another episode next week well, i guess we'll wait for the news we'll them wait, to for the, yeah, out, wait for the yeah wait for the coach and then obviously we'll do a couple around the bowls yeah our plan is to you know both covering whoever they end up hiring as coach and then obviously the the quick lane bowl which seems inevitable at this point it
0: does it does um um well, all right. You so got, so
1: you, you got it, Matt. Go ahead. So,
0: so the Adazio era is finally behind us. I'll say the sky is the limit for this program, but I'm going to defer to you on uh, not the official name because fourth and dude, a lot of dudes. That's still up in the air. We got to figure that out. But I'll defer to you right now. Are we changing the outro line of "It's always a great day to be a dude"?
1: Yeah, we got to we got to workshop it. Uh, by the way, it's a dude alert, folks. Is is the new line
0: okay I, I, don't like know if
1: you be, I don't well no that's what we've been doing man i don't know if you be, if you've been listening all season oh okay, true sure. i usually i cut it off folks. i cut
0: it off at the announcements at the end
1: yeah so i gotta sit down and and you know kind of reflect on my future with with this fourth of dude organization if yep. i'm gonna stick around if yep. we're gonna bother doing a podcast to cover a three and nine team the next three years <laughs> yep. only kidding only kidding hopefully guys um but yeah i'd like to keep the dude name because I, I do feel like uh it's a nice way
0: of keeping my guy daz uh, alive in spirit at least Okay. I hear you. Um, All right. Well, thanks again for listening. And hopefully we will have exciting news to report back uh, with another emergency podcast in the next couple of weeks. It's a doodle alert, folks.